Welcome to Matt Bites episode 10. I'm Mike Thomas and I'm here with my co-host Elaine Giles. And in this episode we'll be reviewing the announcements made at WWDC and looking at alternative ways to launch applications. Of course, what else could we begin with but Steve's keynote? iPhone, iPhone, iPhone! Well, yep, the iPhone 3G's here, so are we impressed? Will we be buying one? Or even two, maybe? Well, yeah, I'm planning to buy one. Um, I wanted to buy one last time, the first time they were around, but uh, what put me off was uh, the, the relatively small amount of storage, and now they're faster, they've got more storage, uh, more affordable, and uh, generally cool. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the real reason. We know, we know. You see, for me, it's a yes too, but I've managed to convince myself that I need one. Strictly for productivity purposes, obviously. Mm, of course, nothing like delusions, so maybe you could elaborate on that. Oh, I can, really, I can, honestly. Really productivity. Um, there were some great demo apps that they had available uh, during the keynote, but the first one that I'll be buying is going to be uh, OmniFocus for the iPhone. I already use OmniFocus for the desktop, so it's fantastic news it's on its way for the iPhone. Uh, really, really looking forward to seeing that. To the uninitiated... Um, OmniFocus is a sort of to-do or task management application and it's based very heavily on David Allen's pervasive GTD, uh, getting things done methodology, which I'm sure the majority of our listeners will have heard of. The iPhone version promises geo-based task handling and uh, seamless syncing, so I just can't wait. I've used... Um, small devices before to try and manage to-do lists. Um, I had a Cly, a Sony Cly for a while and um, it was okay but where it falls down was you had to sync everything up repeatedly and of course this is going to take all that away so very very excited. Seamless syncing. Mm, seamless syncing. Well that takes us nicely into Mobile Me. Oh now that had me worried. Yes, what a blast from the past that was. Uh, I saw the logo and it screamed Windows ME at me. So I blogged about that, so uh, we'll put that in the show notes. And uh, to those who haven't seen the comparison, be afraid, be very afraid. Um, I've already got a .Mac subscription, so I will get upgraded automatically. And uh, it's better value, double the storage, and now up to 20 gig. And a price reduction for next year's subscription, so uh, I'll be sticking with it for sure. I'll be sticking with it as well, and what I'm particularly interested in is uh, seeing how it synchronises with Outlook. Uh, at the moment, I use Outlook at work, and uh, the way I do it, the way I synchronise, is that I have to export my calendar to a CSV file, I then upload my CSV file to Google Calendar, and then I can synchronise my uh, Google Calendar with my iCal, uh, and I do that using uh, BusySync, which is something uh, we'll be discussing in more depth in a future episode. You don't have things easy for yourself, do you? No. Uh, there, there are some easy ways to do it. There are some add-ins available for Outlook. But unfortunately, uh, our machines are locked down. And uh, I really don't think they're going to allow me to install that just for that particular purpose. No, I actually wonder sometimes that they let you loose with the mouse and keyboard. I know they do lock things down very tightly. It's a real shame because there's some good stuff out there for sort of cross-platform calendar syncing, which I know is what you're trying to do. So big, big shame that. There were some changes introduced with uh, 10.5.3 as well. I know now you can, uh, if you've got an iPhone you can or an iPod Touch, you can synchronise to Google Calendar straight from iCal. So uh, it won't work for me at the moment, but uh, maybe something to have a look at when my iPhone arrives. But now, the most important question. 
you're going to have black or white. I know you'll be going to the, for the 16 gig version, so you will have a choice. Well, my iPod and my MacBook are white, so uh, I suppose I should get white to match. Ooh, that makes me sound like a right girly, you know, matching shoes and handbags. You're not kidding. Dear, dear, dear me. Well, I for one hate shoe shopping, yes? I am a woman and I hate shoe shopping. So matching the stuff's going to be the least of my concerns. I'll probably go for whichever actually looks the best. But if I'm really honest, I was actually disappointed the change from the metal back. Um, that seemed much more scratch resistant to me. I've had terrible trouble with my iPod. It, it looks like it's been run over by a truck. So um, apparently the metal back was sacrificed for a better signal. So a great shame, but uh, nothing we can do about it. I'm hoping it's a little bit more scratch resistant than the iPod. So fingers crossed. But other news from WWDC. What about Snow Leopard? Well, Snow Leopard, yeah, it's the uh, the new version of the operating system. Uh, and from what I've read, it's going to be only available on Intel Macs. Now, uh, all our Macs are Intel, so it's going to have no impact on us whatsoever. Uh, but I can imagine it will be a disappointment to, to those with older hardware. Yeah, Apple's hardware does tend to last a little bit longer than the average PC as well. So I'd imagine it's going to be a serious issue for some people, um, especially with it being supposedly um, a stability release. It would be nice to have that stability, but apparently not if you're on PowerPC. So from what I've heard, obviously I've only had a Mac two years, but Apple have a history of sort of moving forward and leaving the older technology behind. So although it's going to be painful for some, I think it's got to be better than having a sort of 20-year-old code base that just grows and slows with each new version. That's sort of the situation with Vista at the minute. There's so much old code there, it runs like a lame dog. So overall, good news, I think, but very sad news if you've got a power PC. Yeah, just talking about Vista... Um I'm actually running Vista on my laptop um, under VM Fusion, and it takes about uh, 15 minutes to actually fire up and log on. So uh, I, I know exactly what you mean from first-hand experience. Yeah, I'm not actually using Vista. I've seen it. I've installed it and had a look at it. But uh, if I ever do need to use Windows, it's XP that I use. And even XP, because I'm not using it every day and it's not doing its Windows update, on a frequent basis. I find if I log on after three weeks, it is sort of 25 minutes before I can do anything because the virus software is updating and the system is updating itself and it's just sort of so much bother. So overall I think it is a good thing to sort of have a clear out every now and then and have a sort of cut-off point. But Apple really shoot themselves in the foot because the hardware lasts so much longer that you really think, you know, that maybe this software should last longer with it. So a great shame but it doesn't affect us we're very very lucky i think that's enough of vista don't you yeah we don't want to go on about vista do we no um what what were your overall impressions of the uh, conference then um well i said last week i was preparing to be amazed by some sort of secret announcement and i'm still lusting after this ultra portable thing that's smaller than a macbook air and preferably half the price um i can't say i was surprised or amazed with any of the announcements um, but I guess it's my own fault because I can't leave the rumour sites alone. So for the last few months I've been there every day and uh, they're pretty spot on. So I've only really got myself to blame. So roll on Macworld 2009 and I won't look at too many rumour sites. I know I'm going to. I can't help myself. I, I agree with you. I don't think there's anything un unexpected, like you say. Um, and if you read the rumour sites, they are usually spot on. We'd already heard about Mobile Me um, and the iPhone before the speech. And to be honest, I can't say I'm excited about the games on the iPhone. Oh, 
You do realise that's sacrilege to some, you know. I know, I know, but uh, no, games have never uh, been my bag, whether it's on a PC, uh, a Mac, a desktop, uh, an iPhone. Uh, it's just not something I'm interested in. I don't think I've played a game on a computer really seriously since Defender of the Realm on the Amiga, so it's a long time ago. I don't think I've ever played a game seriously apart from... Uh, Solitaire. 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 <laughs> yes. You see, that shows you that you're not actually using Solitaire all day every day at work, or you'd no. remember the name. Yes, and the other one, um, Pinball. Oh, yeah, Pinball was good. Pinball was a good good game. Yeah. yeah. I, they're not, I don't think they really count as like hard gaming games, though, do they? No. Your core gamer's going to be laughing at that. Mm, what about chess? No, no. Couldn't no. be doing with it. You see, you can see the level of our gaming experience on the Mac and the PC. Yeah, it's pathetic, isn't it? This, this is why we're so comfortable with the Mac. Never mind a gaming platform, not not to worry. No. Anyway, uh, I think that's about it for another WWDC. And uh, changing tack totally, um, we'll move on to Switch's Corner and a topic that was raised at a recent Mac Club meeting, which was uh, application management and app switching. Yeah, first thing was, um, I prefer not to use the dock at all. So um, I have my dock on the right-hand side of the primary monitor. Um, my main desktop setup is a 24-inch iMac with a secondary monitor also 24 inches on the left-hand side of it. So I put my dock on the right-hand side of the primary monitor and have it hidden, so I never see it. Of course, whenever I see... You know, I go anywhere and people see that or they see it on my laptop. First inevitable question, how do you run your applications? And um, obviously an answer to that, Quicksilver. Uh, it's the launcher of choice for me, but I did also try LaunchBar, which is very, very good. Um, I was toying between the two of them. And in the end, I can't remember why now, because I did use LaunchBar for a good few weeks and then just sort of went back to Quicksilver. And with Quicksilver, I know it can do a lot more than I actually use it for. I must find some time to have a look at the triggers and the more advanced features. But at the moment, I'm literally just using it to run applications. Um, the discussion at our Mac group uh, then progressed on to switching between applications. And uh, one of the bugbears of all, all our switches. On Windows, Alt and Tab lets you switch between open applications. Um, and on a Mac, Command and Tab sort of does the same, but not in the same way as Windows. So for switches, you come along to it, you try the same key combination. It looks like it's going to do the same thing, but it doesn't quite do it. If an app's minimised in OS X, then Command and Tab will activate the application, but what it doesn't do is maximise the open windows, or even allow you to choose a specific window to maximise. So, a couple of times when I first switched, I got caught. I was command and tabbing, and I got the application up, and then I'm sat there waiting for a window to pop up, and you know, it takes a couple of seconds to realise, no, you've activated the application, but you're going to have to go down to the dock and actually choose the window that you want. So, uh, that drove me absolutely crazy when I was a new Mac user. It took, it took a, a while but uh, for me to twig onto it um, because obviously at the time I had no intention of switching to a Mac permanently. I sort of got sucked into that. But once I sat there using it every day, it drove me mad. Um, I don't know how you get, got on with it, Mike, at the beginning. Well, I don't think I use as many applications at one time as you. 
Well, what can I say? I'm a geeky chick. You are, aren't you? Um, the way I tend to work is, well, the way I tend to work, tended to work, should I say, is that um, I would have the dock down at the bottom in the, the default position. I'd run my applications. Uh, I'd have them sitting there in the dock. And if I wanted to switch between them, I would just go down to the bottom of the screen and, and click the dock. Um, and then I was finding, particularly on the laptop, which has got a smaller screen, that if I went down to the bottom of a, an application, uh, and a good example there was um, BB Edit, where I'd, I'd have my mouse at the bottom of the screen, and I wanted to, say, resize the, the window, just make it a little bit smaller, I'd end up actually clicking on an icon on the dock uh, and launching an application. So what I did on the laptop is I destroyed the dock, I, I took out a leaf out of your book, took everything off the dock, moved it to the right-hand side out of the way, and started using uh, Quicksilver. And it's only this week, actually, that I decided to do the same sort of thing with um, the the iMac. So I'm trying to get my docs in sync. I know I can use uh, .Mac to do that. But uh, in concept terms, uh, I, I'm running in a, in a similar way to you. Yeah, what I did first was, um, before I found any applications to solve my problem, was I learned to adapt to working the sort of Mac way. And one of the tips I found really useful, it doesn't cost anything, is rather than minimise an application, just hide it. So most applications you can use Command and H to hide the application. Now, the difference with that is when you bring it back to the foreground, because the window isn't minimised, it pops up in exactly the same place as it was. So that works really well. I use that all the time with BB Edit because the way I have BB Edit set up, it covers the whole of the screen. Um, that was a really useful tip, but long term, um, I had to find something else because Obviously, as people are probably aware, I use Adobe applications a lot of the time and they don't seem to hide very well at all. I've had a couple of crashes when I'm trying to hide things or they don't hide or they hide and they won't come back. So I can't really rely on the hiding feature for certain applications, but it's a good tip to, to, have, to be aware of. Long term, the solution I came up with was a couple of very small applications. You know, these things that cost a couple of dollars and you're tinkering around with them. The first one is called Light Switch. That's L-I-T-E Switch. And what that does is it adds functionality to the default app switcher. So what it does is you now have the ability to mark applications for closing. You can hide applications from it. You can unhide them. And obviously, as the name implies, you can switch between them. Um, so it's small enhancements really, but it makes such a big difference. For instance, when you use your command and tab, which light switch will remap to itself, so you're using the light switch switcher rather than the default app switcher, um, it puts the name of the application at the bottom. So you don't have to sit there looking at, at icons and thinking, which one was that again? Certain icons are obviously really clear, but others that you don't use all the time maybe. It's handy to have that little text at the bottom. If you've got applications hidden, they are included in your command and tab list, but they're actually dimmed out slightly. They don't have to be, it's an option, but I find that that's really useful as well. So I like the extra functionality of that. And as I say, it will remap the command and tab key, which 10.5 doesn't seem to let you do easily. I thought you could go into the keyboard settings and remap that to anything you wanted. But no, I couldn't find a way to um, do it through the interface. You can probably do it with um, hacks and stuff, but not something I particularly wanted to get involved in. So that was the application I, I installed first.
Um, it still has the problem that if I've minimised an application, it will bring the application to the front, but it won't maximise the window. So the second thing I did was buy another application called Witch. And that's sort of the second half to my solution. It can actually do more than I do with it. So you could, you wouldn't need both of these applications, which can do um, all that you'd need to do. Uh, the reason that I use both is, um, will become clear, it's all to do with this mapping of the key. So what I use which for is which lets me switch between the different windows of the application that I'm currently using. Now, when you look at the preferences for which, it does an awful lot and you can disable some of it, you can add different shortcut keys, it's completely customizable. Um, I got overwhelmed with it at first, there were so many options between, because obviously I installed both these applications at the same time and then got very confused as to which shortcut key I was using for what. So what I did was I disabled the second one, got the first one working so I was comfortable with it and then added which into it and that gave me extra functionality. Um, it can completely replace the command and tab functionality. So it gives you a switcher and the switcher then displays not only the currently running apps, but it, it lists the currently running apps and then next to that, they're associated windows. So if you're running Safari and you've got five different windows open, it will list Safari and then to the right of it, um, it will list the five windows that you have open and you can directly navigate to them and they don't it doesn't matter whether they're hidden minimized on a different space you can navigate straight to them so i found those particularly good if i could use command and tab in which without having to use a system hack i'd probably use which on its own most of the time but the inability to set it to command and tab i've been using command and tab for 12 years so um I would probably keep using it for, for such a long time. So I use both of them, but you could get away with one. Well, that's a really, really interesting um, two pieces of software. And after reading your blog post on the subject, I decided to give them a try as well. And I must admit, I'm still trying to get used to it, um, but I can really, really see the benefits of it. Uh, and I really don't know how I got anything done before. I think I said something similar to you. I think you did, yes. <laughs> anyway, can you, uh, can you tell us where we can find those uh, applications? Yep, LightSwitch is available from um, Protron Software, so we'll put this on the show notes. Uh, it's $14.95, which equates to about £7, £88, something like that, and you can get a 30-day trial of that. So I'm sure once you've installed it, you won't want to go back to living without it. So that's the first one. The second one, which is Witch, is available from manytricks.com slash witch. So again, we'll put that in the show notes. That is €9.95, which is approximately £7, £88 again. So the two of them together, less than £16. Um, I certainly couldn't work without them and um, I, I find it quite disorientating when I go on a machine that hasn't got them on and I'm left with the uh, old functionality. But again, like I said, the fact that light switch can map that command and tab key is a big benefit because it means when I do work on a machine that doesn't have these two applications installed, at least I get the basic switching functionality, which if I'm using a different key, I'd be completely lost. So um, we'll put the details of that on the show notes and uh, a link to the post that I wrote about them. And 
uh, hopefully you'll find them as useful as I do. And as now Mike does, now I've tempted him. Yes, definitely. And as I said, I've gone minimalist with my dock, uh, although I'm still finding that I'm moving the mouse down towards the bottom of the screen and then realising my icons aren't there. So I'm going to have to get used to just using Quicksilver all the time. And as like you said, if, if, if I go on a machine that doesn't have Quicksilver on, uh, I do feel a little bit lost without it. Oh, when on the odd occasion, and it does happen, um, Quicksilver crashes on me, um, I'll shut it down and then I'll think, right, I need to run Quicksilver. And what I'll, I'll then do is literally use the Quicksilver shortcut to try and run itself and then wonder why nothing's happening. <laughs> <laughs> so I've got to remember if I'm trying to run Quicksilver um, how I do it because of my minimal dock is I then use the um, spotlight shortcut but I didn't remap Quicksilver to the spotlight shortcut again when I'm working on machines that haven't got Quicksilver I'd be completely confused instead of only being half confused so um, yes I do try and leave the shortcut keys alone as much as possible that's a good tip. Me, I'd probably go back to using Command, Shift and A and bringing up uh, all the applications. I have tried that and it does work, obviously. Um, it doesn't work in certain applications. You, you really need to be in the Finder for that to work properly. And I think it's because I've got so much software installed, but on my iMac... Um, it takes quite a while for that to populate itself. It seems to sort of read it in. I know on the laptop where I don't have as much software, it's much faster. So um, it does take its sweet time, that. Yeah, I was just about to make the same point, that when I press Control shift and a it does seem to read in each application one at a time. And if I actually then use the scroll bar to scroll down, I do get the, uh, the, the beach ball for a few seconds. Oh, I do as well. I thought that was just me. No, no, it's me as well. Uh, there's, you, there's me, you see, blaming my uh, wonderful fortune of having um, Creative Suite Master Collection on there, but uh, it's happening to you as well. It is. OK, on to uh, feedback and comments. And uh, first of all, I'd like to say uh, hi to Gasmas. It's nice to hear from our old friend. And we uh, promise not to vanish again. Honest. Talking of old friends, um, hi to our other old friend, friend, Mike B. I had a chat with him this week. Oh boy, did he have a tale to tell all about his MacBook Pro. Now, I would relay it to you, but I'm afraid it'd be a six-part epic, at least. He seriously needs to write a blog post about that. Suffice it to say, I hope his new toy is behaving itself and uh, that you've not got installation fatigue. So uh, Mike B has new toys to play with people. So uh, we might hear from him on the blog. We might not, but I hope so. Anyway, good luck with it, Mike. Hope it's uh, behaving itself. Right, and uh, on to the events. Um, only one event to talk about this week, which we did mention last week and no doubt we'll be mentioning next week, but we do have a reason for doing so. Uh, the Northwest Adobe Group are having a meeting on the 30th of June in um, the Timpley Sale Altrigan Border area. All the details are on their website and we'll put the details in the show notes. It's an event called Mission Control and it's all about Lightroom and Bridge. So if you manage uh, any files at all really, photographs, images, um, Creative Suite files, even Office files, then uh, do come along and uh, learn the feature of Lightroom and Bridge. Now the reason that we're mentioning it and that it is indeed worth mentioning is that we've got a competition to win some t-shirts so what more enticement do you need um, the details are on the website at nwag that's nwag.co.uk so you're all are welcome it is a free event so we hope to see you there 
Well, that's about it for this episode of Mac Bytes. We'd love to hear from you. You're still out there, aren't you? Please send your questions, your comments and your queries by email to macbytesuk at gmail.com or even send us an audio file. Quick mention of the next episode. It's going to be all about keeping up to date, patches, software and future-proofing your work. So, until next time, this has been Mike Thomas and Elaine Giles bringing you Mac Bytes. Goodbye and see you next time. Goodbye.